Okay, take your Bibles, if you will, and let's take a look at Romans chapter 8. And um, uh, we're back to verses 14 and 15 after having spent a couple of weeks looking at one word out of verse 15. It, it was the word adoption. I hope you'll recall. Uh, let me read you verses 14 and 15. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Uh, that word adoption appears five times in the New Testament, and I felt it was necessary for us to take a look at it. And so we did for a couple of weeks. And now we come back to the text, and hopefully tonight we'll, um, we'll finish up with at least verse 14. Let me uh, uh, read that again. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Now, gang, um, when you study your Bibles and you come to a text like this, what would you do with it? I mean, what, 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 would you, what, what kind of impact would that, that verse have on you? For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Uh, well, before I answer my own question, let me just point out one quick thing. Notice that the text says, or that the verse says, that um, not everybody's a son of God. It states that as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Um, this idea that is so popular, particularly in, in, um, in um, neo-Orthodox circles, the uh, universal uh, brotherhood of man and the universal fatherhood of God, Gang, that just isn't so. Not everyone is a son of God. We're, we're given a definition of a son of God here. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God. Those guys, those are the ones that are the sons of God. Not everybody, just those who are being led by the Spirit. Those guys, those can be called sons. But I am not, ladies and gentlemen, a brother to all of mankind, nor are you. Um, there is, or that concept is somewhat confused with the universal creaturehood of man and the universal creatorhood of God, but there is no universal brotherhood of man and there is no universal fatherhood of God. Um, God is the father of a group of people who are um, led by the Spirit of God, says this text. You know, I, I find myself in... in I use the term brother a lot. You know, when I'm in, in just conversation with people, I say, well, okay, brother, I'll see you Sunday. Or, okay, brother, that's... Um, uh, and then I, in, 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 and it's become somewhat of a habit with me. And then I'm in settings where I'm not real sure that people are um, Christians. And, I, I, and those words come rolling, tumbling out of my mouth. And I just hate that I've communicated that um, no matter where you stand, no matter what you believe, we are brothers. That's not so. Um, I'm only brothers to those, we're only in, the, the, the sons are those who are led by the Spirit. Only those who have this Holy Spirit is, are qualified as sons. Now, so here's the statement. What, what, would you, what would you do with it if you were studying it? I mean, what if, what if you came upon that tomorrow morning in your own devotional life and you see this, this simple, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Now, gang, I, I don't know what you would do, but I, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do with it, and I hope it would be, I hope it'll be profitable for us. But um, we, are, we are given here a, um, 
a definition. It's somewhat vague, and that's why I want to try to fill in some blanks for you. But it is somewhat vague. But it is a, a, a very clean, concise definition of what it is to be a son of God. Sons of God are people who are led by the Spirit. There it is for you. Pretty simple. Not, but I, I think the next question should become, um, all right, am I sure of my own sonship? What I'm suggesting is that verse 4 gives us a test of sonship. And that's how I want to handle it. Um, this idea of a test of sonship may be somewhat new to you. And I, and I want to pause for a quick minute just to look at that. But let me, let me show you a couple of statements that might, might disturb you. And, I, and they're not, I'm not giving them to you so that you can be disturbed. But just um, if you've got your Bibles, can you find 2 Corinthians 13 real fast? <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 13, let me just read you one statement or one admonition on a part of the Apostle Paul out of 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5, states this. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. So the, the admonition on the part of the Apostle Paul, the Corinthian church, is that they examine themselves, that they test themselves. There is another such text, which I, I think you, uh, it's in Second Peter chapter uh, 1, verse 10. You don't need to turn there. It's the same kind of statement. Peter says, therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. So the, the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter both admonish us to uh, drag our souls in, in, under the scrutiny of the Scriptures and discover whether or not there is um, validity to our claim that we are sons. So that's what I'm going to do with you tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Just, um, just a, um, um, trying to answer um, the question of the text, I think, that, it, that is posed by the text. How can I be sure of my sonship? Well, I must ask myself first this question. Am I led... By the Spirit of God. Now, um, uh, in, in one sense, that begs the question. How do I know if I'm a son? I'm led by the Spirit. Okay, how do I know if I'm led by the Spirit? And that's where I want to spend our time, guys. Um, I, I would point out that this is for all of us. That is, all Christians, not just a few, but all are led by the Holy Spirit. Um, we're not driven, we're not forced, but we're led. Uh, he leads us through a, a series of circumstances in our lives, and we are people who are led by this third person of the Trinity. Um, I, I, I am one who is um, governed and wooed and drawn and led by the third person of the Trinity. That's, what, that's the person who can... Um, uh, confidently name himself a son of God. And he normally, that is, um, the Holy Spirit normally guides us through his word. The non-Christian is guided by something else. But we are people who are led by the Spirit, which is something that normally takes place um, through his word. Now, here's 
What I want to leave you with tonight are seven or eight things about how does the Spirit lead his people? What are some earmarks of the Holy Spirit's leadership of us? What would be... What would help me to know whether I am being led of the Spirit, which would then allow me to say, I'm one of those sons? What are some of the things that would be um, characteristic of, of the Spirit's leadership in my life? As I said, normally, He does that through the Word. He engages the mind. He exposes us to what is true. And then... Um, we are people who then adjust our lives accordingly. So he normally, that's something I think the Christian church pretty much knows. Uh, 90% of everything that God does to lead his people is already inscripturated, ladies and gentlemen. It's already here for you. I, I, I mean, you can quibble about the 90% if you like, but the, the bulk, of the, 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 uh, the, uh, the outline of all that God would have us do is already given to us. The leadership that the Holy Spirit provides for his people is primarily to be found within this book. Now, but there are other matters that we'll discuss at another time. But um, uh, if I am led by the Holy Spirit, ladies and gentlemen, what kinds of things would you expect of people who are being led by the Spirit? Well, gang, um, uh, generally... Uh, people who are led by the Spirit have a, uh, have a whole new, uh, different orientation as to how they look at life. That is, we, um, that the, it's the Holy Spirit that has determined and influences and shapes my whole outlook on life, my whole, the way I evaluate things. Uh, um, I, I have an essentially spiritual outlook about life. Those are the people who are led by the Spirit. We have an essentially spiritual outlook to life. My politics, you know, uh, one of the things that just frustrated the daylights out of me is that um, Christians, when it came to this election, I, I, it's not important who you voted for, ladies and gentlemen. What's more important, at least, in, I think, is why you voted the way you voted. What kinds of things, was, is, there, is there such a thing as voting Christianly? Yes, there is, ladies and gentlemen. I'm simply trying to point out that, that everything is, my, my whole outlook about my politics, about world affairs, about peace, about tsunamis, about uh, apartheid, all of these things that, that are uh, true in my globe, in my, my whole world affairs, my outlook is shaped by the Spirit. Everything, ladies and gentlemen, I have a new orientation. And so I look at things I used to look at them before. One of the, one of the key distinctions I think you find in the New Testament is this, this distinction between I was, I am, or you were, you are. I used to view things this way. But because of the Spirit's leadership in my life, I view them differently. I view my politics, I view my family, I view my job, I view my money, I view my recreation. I have essentially a spiritual outlook. So, one of the the earmarks of people who are led by the Spirit are people whose whole outlook has been adjusted. We have a different orientation about what life is all about, what's its design, and what's my role and part in it. That's the first thing, guys. Secondly, if I am led by the Spirit, I have an appetite for all kinds of holy things, but one of the things I have an appetite for is this book. 
Gang, if, if the Spirit leads us through the book, if the Spirit is uh, the author of the book, if the Spirit has inspired it such that we can trust it, does it not make sense, does it not follow that anybody who's being led by that Spirit would have an appetite for this book? Would have a longing to know what indeed is being um, said. You know, guys, um, if, hopefully this is not offensive, but blind people don't enjoy the scenery. And neither do people who are natural enjoy the things of this book. But people who are led by the Spirit do. You know, um, I, I go back to my, um, I had a, an occasion within the last 24 hours of, a, of a, a man, a professing Christian who is um, struggling like crazy over the sense of his own certainty over his soul. And guys, there's a lot of things that I can tell you about if you wrestle with assurance and assurance issues. But let me tell you this. If you have an appetite for this book, where did you get that? One of the key distinctives of people who are led by the Spirit is they have the appetite for the book of the Spirit. And if you've, if you've got a desire for that book, I'm t- I want to suggest to you, and I, I don't want to go too far, but I want to suggest to you that appetite that you have for this book is spirit-born, which is a confirmation of who you are spiritually. You love this book? You love to know it? Then might that be forever settled in your soul that that's something that the Spirit authored? Because one of the characteristics of people who are led by the Spirit is that they love the book of the Spirit. Thirdly, if you are led by the Spirit, you have an increasing detachment to the world. Um, and I, I chose those words somewhat carefully, ladies and gentlemen, because I'm telling you, the world's got a little bit of something in all of us. Um, but there is an increasing detachment. The things of the world go, grow more and more strangely dim. Those things that used to just really excite me don't excite me at least as much as they used to. I find myself, or I find that I'm viewing myself more and more as a pilgrim. This is not where I belong. This is not where I'm going to, this is not my ultimate home. And so the things that this world used to offer me and, and was, were so attractive to me, they're not as attractive anymore. I remember, I think I've told you this story before, but when, when Susan and I first became Christians, we became Christians in, a, in, a, in Fort Lauderdale and um, we lived in, a, in a, a new apartment complex, and really, our apartment had never been lived in. We, we were the first renters of this apartment, and it was on a little, a little um, I guess it was a ditch. But there was ducks in our backyard, and we were on the first floor, and, and um, uh, they were building buildings as they were going. And when we moved in, we moved in in August, and, and the pool was not open. Uh, they had a, had a nice... Um, Community room, you know, but the pool was not yet open. But about a month later, the pool opened, and you know, you can swim in Fort Lauderdale pretty much all year long. And so, um, the the other thing that they opened up at the same time was a volleyball pit next to the next to the uh, the swimming pool, of course, which is kind of typical. But um, anyway, I remember Susie and I would sit out there, and you know, Susie was gosh, 21, I was 22, and and um, um, 
we'd, we'd go to the pool some, with some degree of frequency, and, and invariably there would be a volleyball game that would break out. And, you know, um, I'd been a Christian for about six weeks, and I really wanted to play volleyball with those people, you know. <laughs> I mean, there were some, you know, some really hip-looking folk over there, and, and I just wanted to get in with the volleyball game, and, you know, I wanted to play volleyball with the boys and girls. And um, um, so, you know, I kind of bided my time. I didn't want to look too anxious, you know. And so sooner or later, uh, sooner than later, uh, somebody finally came up and said, Hey, you want to play a little volleyball? I said, Well, okay, I'll come on over. And so I went over there to play volleyball with all the, you know, the, the, uh, the hip folk. And, um, and really, I mean, the girls were dressed as, as you can imagine. Um, and the, and here we were, Susan and I were newly married, been Christians about six weeks. And, um, man, I mean, I got into the volleyball game where I wanted to be. And, and I, before, before too long, the conversation that was being exchanged between males and females on that volleyball court was not something that I thought was exactly appropriate. You know, you know, I don't, I don't remember their marital status, but I did know mine, and um, and I knew that you know I wasn't supposed to be slapping some other woman on the bottom. You know, uh, I, I just had a sense that that probably wasn't good. You know, and uh, there was all this language going on, and this and that and the other, and I found that was the last time I ever wanted to play volleyball. All that just lost its luster to me. You know, I'm, I'm going to embarrass Don Stanfield in here. Don Stanfield's sitting right back there. But I remember, and I don't know why I remember this. I don't know why I remember Don saying this. But it was in a prayer group uh, of, a, of a group of men. And Don Stanfield, with great passion, made this statement. that, And I'm quoting. And I, why I remember it, again, I don't know. But he said, this is the only group of men that I'm in that is not profane. And I remember thinking, you know, that's probably true. The only group of men that was not profane. And, and uh, those groups used to be very, very attractive to me. But the, the longer I'm a Christian, the less the world appeals to me, ladies and gentlemen. There is an increasing detachment to the world. And I find myself viewing myself more and more as a pilgrim here headed to there. Because that's where I belong. I'm just a pilgrim here. I'm just passing through. Fourthly, if I'm led by the Spirit, I long to see God glorified with my life. Um, I no longer work for a paycheck. I work so that God can be glorified. The paycheck's nice. I'm glad I get one. And if I have to choose between poverty or uh, prosperity, I'll choose prosperity every time. But ultimately... I long to see my life and everything that I'm involved, every part that, that I'm involved in, I long to see it bring glory to God. I'm interested in, in making sure that somehow He is ultimately... I want people to glorify Him as a result of knowing me. That's an increasing desire on our parts of people who are led by the Spirit. Fifthly, if I'm led by the Spirit... I am concerned that there is so little love on my part for the Lord God. That, that, there is, that I'm, I'm, I'm increasingly concerned that I find in my own soul so little love for Him. Um, that, that, that over the, the course of my progress, 
I find an increasing awareness of my sin and an increasing awareness of how little I love him. Perhaps you've heard me pray this before. I pray it several times out there. And, and, and I say something like, uh, we love you, Lord God, and we are sorry we love you so little. And the longer I'm walking with this Savior of mine, the more I'm in recognition that there is not great amounts of love. There is little love. And the thing if there, in great amounts is sin. There is, a, there is an increasing awareness of my sin and an increasing recognition that I lack love for this God of mine. And, and I, I'm concerned that, that it's so small. And I long to see it um, heightened and increased and, and enhanced and, and expanded, etc., etc. Um, sixth, if I'm led by the Spirit, um, I, I find that I am guarding my soul more and more against temptation. Things I used to toy with, I don't toy with them anymore. Um, I, I want to avoid temptation. I don't want to walk into it. Where temptation is, I want to stay out. Um, I, I find that uh, there's a certain brand of movie that I used to really enjoy seeing, but I, you know, I don't want to go in here anymore because a lot of things are going to happen. And if a lot of things happen, you know, you know, I, am I going to get So I am not going to, I'm not going to court temptation. I am going to avoid it. I am going to try and, because I know I don't, I mean, I, I, I've learned to hate my sin. I don't want to sin. And therefore, one of the things that I know that I, I must avoid is that, 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 and that. So I'm going to stay away from that. You know, gang, um, um, one of the things that I think that we're being called to in verse 13, when it says, put to death the deeds of the body. Um, one of the things that I think that means is that we, we, we seek to minimize um, temptation's presence in our lives. Now, we, we can't eliminate it all, and the devil will see to it that, that, that there will be tons of it. But I am not going to court it. I, I, am, I am going to make adjustments so that there will be less of it. I, I, don't, I don't need uh, that because I know what it does. I avoid certain settings that I know the, you know um, would lead to, would foster, would encourage, would enhance, would entice, uh, would, would rev me. I, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get away from as much of that as I can because I'm being led by the Spirit. And the, and, and the Spirit, ladies and gentlemen, leads His people away from temptation, not towards it. Temptation is not something I love. Temptation is something I want to avoid. And then seventhly, and this is, this is really my favorite. Um, you know, guys, um, I... Um, You know, people talk about having a, a, a life verse. I don't think I have a life's verse, but I have some favorites. I have texts that, I, that I'm drawn to and, and, and I use uh, in my own battle with the flesh. Um, and here's one of them. In fact, it's got to be on the top five. But it's in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, that simply states, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. People who are led by the Spirit find that though they may not um, uh, enjoy the inconsistencies they see and are very aware of their own failings and their, their inadequacies, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, underneath all of that failing, there existed a, 
a hunger and thirst for righteousness. Yeah, 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 I did that, and I did that, and I did that, and I did that. And, and I, I'm in shame, and I was on my way over here, and, you know, I cussed at the lady who, you know, pulled out in front of me, and I did, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very aware of my, nobody needs to tell me of my shortcomings. I know all of them. But in the face of all those shortcomings that very much discourage me, I know this to be true. I know that underneath all of that, I desire, I long for, I thirst, I hunger. I really do. I long for righteousness. I've, I've begun to see righteousness as beautiful. You know, the example I love to use is, um, is uh, humility. You know, I, I, I haven't yet been accused by many of you as being a, 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 a model of humility. Um, and and uh, don't expect much of that. Um, but you can say what you want about whether he's, you know, arrogant, yada, yada, yada. But I can tell you this. I may not be there, but I want you to know something. Humility is beautiful to me. I, I can't say that I've arrived there, but I can tell you with every fiber of my being how beautiful humility is to me and how I long for it. So the, the people who are led by the Spirit have they, they have a hunger and thirst for righteousness, and they take that hunger and thirst, and they turn it into some kind of actions. They are people who hunger and thirst, and then they make a change, they adjust, they, they modify so that they can pursue uh, those desires of theirs. They're not just people who salivate. They're people who act in response to their salivations. They, um, they hunger. They thirst for righteousness. And then finally, uh, eighthly, I think, um, if I'm led by the Spirit, I find that my loves and my hates are changing. Um, you know, guys, that's probably, probably already been said. Maybe this is just a different way to say the same thing that I've said in one of these other seven. But... Christians, uh, people who are led by the Spirit are finding that the things they used to love, they, didn't, they don't love anymore. You know, guys, um, um, I love to go back to um, a time when I was just graduating from college. And, and um, I, I know you've, many of you have heard me tell this before, but when I was in the interview process with, uh, with a bank in Atlanta and, and the, the uh, bank shrink came in to examine me to see if I could be an employee of this marvelous bank in Atlanta and and um, it was a good bank. And, and by the way, I, I needed a job. I was about to marry uh, Susie. And uh, so we had no job, had no anything. But I was interviewing. And, and so I wanted to impress those people. And neither one of us were Christians at the time. And, and so we were, I was um, trying to put my best foot forward. And, and um, uh, then the, the bank psychologist came in to see, um, you know, what kind of punk this guy was. And so he, be, he, he said some things that were very um, uncomplimentary um, about me. <laughs> Imagine that. And he, was, he asked me what, kind of, what area of the bank that I wanted to work in. And, and I said, well, I wanted to work in the trust department. I like trust. You know, I want to do some trust. That's what I want to do. I want to do trust. You know, you know what trust are. You know, I, uh, I know what trust are. I, you know, I learned in the finance course. I made an A in that course. You know, and now I want to, I'm going to do trust. And uh, he said, well, you know, there's nothing here in your resume that makes me uh, feel like you can be very successful in the world of trust. 
well, you know, I mean, I, I work hard. And he said, well, you know, uh, I've, I've not seen a, a whole lot of aptitude in you that, uh, that gives me any level of confidence that, um, that you'll even make it in the banking world. And I said, well, you know, I'm sorry. I mean, but I really... So he said a couple of things like that. And, and at, I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, if I'm lying, I'm dying. At, I'm sitting there across on this desk. And something... I, I, I thought, oh, we're playing a game here. He wants to see if I... Because they're all... They're all you know, all the other interviews were just, ooh, you're just wonderful. And, uh, but, and I thought, we're playing a game. He's going he's, he's gonna to see if I can take a little criticism or something, you know? And, and so I had my three-piece suit on, and uh, that's back when they had those. And, um, and so he kept up his assault. And so I, I, I said, okay, I'll play. And I said, well, mister, you may not be impressed, but let me tell you something. Here's the way I see it. In a matter of years, you'll probably be answering to me. And um, I had a job offer in 20 minutes. <laughs> because I, I guess I did call. I mean, I guess it was right. I mean, I guess um, that's what he was trying to do. And anyway, but within 20 minutes, they gave me, they had a job offer and said, let us hear from you by May the 9th or whatever it was. But, but here's the point, ladies and gentlemen. I used to love that stuff. All that little... Tangling with the, with the competing with the, you know, and you got to watch this and just get out of my way and I'll get it done. <laughs> you know, just I want a job and I'll show you. You know, I, I used to love that stuff. That used to be my world. And I became a Christian. And my love's changed. And I look at that now and I think, how ugly. My love's changed. My hate's changed. Because when you're led by the Spirit, ladies and gentlemen, that's what happens. Your loves and your hates change. What I'm saying, ladies and gentlemen, is that verse 14 gives you a sense of, it gives you a test. It says, those who are led by the Spirit, those are the sons of God. I've given you eight characteristics of what I, what I think would characterize anybody who's led by the Spirit. Those things true of you? I guess it's because you're being led by the Spirit, which means you're one of the sons. You're one of the family. And why are you that? Because of the Spirit. That's great. Our Father, I do pray that you will use these things to um, assure us of what you've done in our lives. I pray that you'll give us a sense that Indeed, though these things exist minimally in us, they exist. And though there is only small love for holy things, there is love for holy things. And though there be only slight interest in the book of the Spirit, there is an interest in that book of the Spirit. And that though temptation has caused us to stumble and fall so many times in the past. Temptation has become one of my hates and that I do long to avoid it and take steps to do so. And that what I discover at the base of my soul is certainly not a consistent holy man, 
What I discover when I examine my soul is not some kind of outstanding performance, but what I find is a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. And so, O oh God, we conclude that that hunger, that thirst for holy things that we do know to be there, has been authored by the Holy Spirit. It is He who has taken charge of our souls, our lives, our, our value systems, and we are becoming different slowly, perhaps much more slowly than we should, but we are changing all as the result of being led and empowered and indwelt by the Holy Spirit. So, Father, get glory from our lives, every particle of it. Might it give you pleasure and bring you glory. We ask it, of course, in Jesus' name. Amen.